So, Berto, let's talk about 90 Day Fiance before the 90 days. It, it, it's currently airing, and a lot of listeners want us to talk about it. What do you say, Berto? I think that's a great idea. Let's do it. This is the Psychology in Seattle podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kirk Honda. I'm a therapist, and I'm also a professor. My name is Humberto Castaneda, and I design little keyboards for tiny little computers. So for those of you who are watching the show or haven't watched the show, know that we're going to spoil up to the current episode, which is season four, episode 11. And we're also going to talk about some rumors, maybe. So if you're not interested in hearing those kinds of things, maybe wait until the whole season is over and come back. So Ed and Rose, what do you think about Ed and Rose? Okay, so so many thoughts. First of all, so stereotypical, like there's this Dude in the U.S., he, it's probably hard for him to get, you know, a relationship going. And then he's going to essentially entice this foreigner entry into the U.S. They don't seem like a good match at all. And that's how it starts. Yeah. So for some of our listeners who might have never even seen this show, I, maybe it's useful to <laughs> give the premise. So 90 Day Fiance started a number of years ago, I, I six or seven, eight years ago. There's been 10 or 15 different seasons, different offshoots and whatnot. And it's a pretty popular reality TV show. I didn't know about it until just a few weeks ago. And now I'm like up to my eyeballs in 90 Day Fiance. (laughs) And the premise is that you have people in, in the United States who meet people online in other countries and they start dating either through Instagram or maybe a dating app. And then the person from the other country comes to to the United States and they have 90 days. They're, they're already engaged is the premise. They're engaged before they meet in person. The person comes to the United States and they have 90 days because that's how long a visa lasts apparently before you have to get married. And if you get married, yeah. then the person can stay. I think – Visas are more complicated than that in some instances, but, you know, that's the premise of the show, pre-Donald Trump, this kind of thing. But then they did an offshoot of a show called Before the 90 Days, which is where the uh, the United States person goes to the other country to see if they even want to become engaged before they do the 90-day thing where they bring them back to the United States. Essentially, the show is like... These people have known each other through internet times for a long period of time, maybe maybe a few months, maybe even a few years. They've fallen in love. They're 100% into it. And then they finally meet, and they the reality TV shows follows them as they navigate the relationship. And there's this tension because there's a big question mark on a lot of them uh, is, is the non-American trying to marry an American to come to America because they come from a very poor country and they're trying to get into right. United States and they're just using the American to get a green card. Well, and, and the Americans using them because in some way, right? Cause like, that's how they're trying to find right. a mate. Right. So it, it, it's not just a dating reality TV show. It's, People's lives are on the line. They're where they're going to live. Uh, there's often kids involved, and so that's the premise of the show. Now, Ed and Rose. Ed is a guy who lives in San Diego, and he 
uh, is he's he's from the United States. Apparently, he's Hispanic uh, in origin. And Rose is from the Philippines. Ed is our age, and Rose, meaning he's yeah. in his forties or fifties, and Rose is, I think, in her early twenties. And she lives in a very poor city town in the Philippines. And she speaks English well enough, but not fantastic. And Ed goes to the Philippines to try to get Rose to marry him. He's 100 percent or he he's going to the Philippines under the premise of I'm pretty sure I want to marry her, but I just kind of want to make sure that she's not a gold digger. I'm surprised yeah. that the show never says the phrase gold digger, by the way. <laughs> yeah, they really stayed away from that, it seems like. <laughs> yeah. And, and the visual elements of Ed and Rose is that Ed is a unique-looking individual. He's short. Yeah, think, he's, he's like 5'2"? Or he's, no, he's 4'10". Oh, yeah, right. or, he, he told her yeah. that he, he was like 5'2". Right. He's like 410. <laughs> yeah, think of like a like a tall Danny DeVito would be the way I would yeah. describe him. Tall, younger Danny DeVito. <laughs> and, you know, there's a lid for every pot. There's nothing wrong with being a tall Danny DeVito. <laughs> and Rose is a, you know, attractive, pretty young Filipino girl, late, you know, young woman. So, the audience reaction online, here are some comments. Uh, first off, just, you know, looking at the comments online, there's a lot of comments about his body, about the way he looks that he, you know, he looks like he has no neck. He looks like job of the hut people would say, or, you know, there's all lots of comments about his physique and his look. Uh, some, here are some quotes of some people saying she's disgusted with him. Another person, she's faking her accent which I find to be a funny thing to say. Uh, she, she's faking her accent? Yeah. <laughs> okay. I mean, what, what does that mean? Like, she's <sighs> fluent in English and doesn't have an... I don't... Yeah. Another okay. uh, thing that someone said, he thinks he's loved, but he's not. Apparently, other 90-day... So, there's a whole world that I've been introduced to of past personalities, past actors on 90 Day Fiancé, they all are, you know, internet stars now. And so they will comment on the shows as they're happening. And they, a a lot of people are saying, because Ed is saying, everyone loves me. I'm the darling of the show. I'm the sweetheart. I have the best personality. And then all these other people, are, including past actors, are saying, no, you're not. No one loves you. What do you think about that, Berto? Um, so, I, yeah. So, the discrepancy between the two of them was obviously evident right from the start. And Ed was sort of, to me, a puzzle because on the one hand, there's a few times where he says, like, oh, you know, I know I'm ugly or whatever. It's like, oh, I'm, I'm very short and stuff like that. But... At the same time, like he's he's obviously learned how to navigate his personality to account for the way he he looks or whatever. But at the same time, he's like super judgmental of her, and I don't know how much of that is for the show, amped up, all that stuff. But the way that it's presented, he's m- way more judgmental of her than she is of him. Uh, so, me personally, <laughs> I don't like his personality at all. I, I don't like. I, I mean, he would have he would be very redeeming looking however he looks 
if he came off as you know kind and understanding and all these things he comes off as like this demanding whiny individual which again i I, i'm convinced is like to amp up it's amped up for the show because a lot of the couples have similar like overblown dynamics but but no i don't think he comes off well at all (laughs) i'm surprised he thinks that way uh well i will say that when i first watched the show and i was in the first couple episodes i liked him i thought he had a likable personality he had some problematic reactions like he was already jealous of her because she was friends with other guys on facebook which was a very concerning narrative and behavior to have right and and that becomes more uh pronounced as the season goes on but i i i I don't know maybe it's just me i like to root for the underdog or something and i felt like people watching the show would dog on him a lot. And so, I don't know. I just felt like I wanted, I was rooting for him. But as the season went on, I stopped rooting for him, honestly. But even as I stopped rooting for him, I still thought it was hilarious in some of the scenes where he's at the pig farm and there's that mangy old rat on his flip flops <laughs> and he's super hot in the Philippines. Cause and one the monkeys. Of the things, yeah. And the monkeys like, I thought those were legit funny moments, uh, genuine funny moments where I was laughing out loud. But at the same time, he it, he becomes he sort of starts to reveal his true self, which is someone who is yeah. highly jealous, yeah, yeah, and very distorted in his thinking, and very controlling and insulting and never takes responsibility for his part of it. Well, he kind of flip-flops, right? He flip-flops from uh, accusing her of like ridiculous things and breaking her down and she's crying. You can see that her heart is breaking to, yeah. oh my God, I'm so sorry. I'll never do it again. I love you. Here's flowers. Let me <laughs> let me please you all the time. And then the jealousy would creep back in. Did you notice that pattern? I totally did. And actually, I do agree with you that as it started, it's true. And maybe it was intentional to present him this way, because I definitely got more of that sense of like, all right, like he's aware of his limitations, whatever, but but definitely. I mean, so he starts with like, you know, tell me about your past relationships. And by the way, this is something I could totally relate to because... and um. I, I had that same feeling when I was young. Uh, when I was uh, just starting college, I had a relationship where I I was like that. I was like, you know, who was your, you know, tell me about your last boyfriend. What did you guys do? And it was so ridiculous. Like, did you I'm look so under the flap? Did you look under yeah. the flap? <laughs> did you open the flap? I was so ridiculous. So watching that just made me cringe because I'm like, well, let oh, me, let God. me ask you, Berto. So if, we could go back to you. You were what, like 22 at the time, 23? 19. Okay. 19, 20, yeah. If we could go back to you then, and if I said something to you like, Umberto, I don't know you. I'm from the future. We're going to be great friends and invest in a lot of uh, N95 masks. You'll, you'll, <laughs> thank, you'll thank me later. And, but here's the deal. I know you feel jealous. But your efforts, you, you, the reason why you feel jealous is because you're worried you're going to lose 
your girlfriend. And that's legit. Like losing your girlfriend, legit, makes sense. Right. Uh, that everyone worries they're going to, and it probably has to do with the fact that your mom left you when you were four. By the way, you told me that in the future as well. <laughs> and I know I'm that. I've not told that to anyone. I know that you're 19, <laughs> you think you don't have any issues, there's a lot of therapy ahead of you. And, uh, and, so, and by the way, there's going to be a thing called Google in the future. Invest in that. You'll thank me later. <laughs> um, <laughs> we have a lot of things to discuss. But anyway, so uh, if I said to you, look, underneath that jealousy behavior and impulse is you're, you're worried you're going to lose your girlfriend. That makes sense. It, you transform that worry, which is normal, into jealousy and controlling and anger and aggression, which is absolutely going to push her away and make her hate you. <laughs> and at the very least, it's just completely unfair. And if we discuss it a little bit longer, would you believe me or would you be like, nah, nah, dude, like, I'm fine. Or, you know, because with Ed, I, I, I just want to reach into the TV and tell him, dude, something along those lines. Yeah, that's a great question. Would I have been able to process that? Or would I have said, I see what you're saying, but you don't know all the details. You know, right. I could see myself being like, okay, maybe, but ah, but you weren't there or something, you know? Yeah. Like Ed I, might say, yeah, okay, but she has 4,000 friends on Facebook and right. <laughs> she's friends with all those boys and, you know, she's uh, kind of shady about it. And I might even have said, I might have said, because you're like, Look, you lose, you risk losing her because I might have said, well, then she wasn't meant for me then, you know, if she's going to be like that. Um, I mean, I just, I remember feeling that way. I remember feeling indignant, like part, I swear part of it was uh, potentially the Catholic upbringing because this thought of like, well, she, she better be a pristine, virginal, white, like little package waiting to be opened only by me. Um, because that's what's, you know, we're supposed to be doing here. Um, not relevant. The fact that I wasn't, <laughs> but it's like, oh yeah, that doesn't matter. It's just, she does, she better. So, so sexist. Right. But anyways, my point is that I, I don't know. I think it would have helped me. Like maybe it would have sunk in a year later, <laughs> you know? Uh, but I think in the moment I would have probably, heard you maybe taken a little bit but i also would have been stubborn you're like uh yeah yeah i'll think about it but yeah you don't know everything right other comments online people saying that ed is only doing it for the fame uh which is an interesting hmm. thing to say i mean who knows right but at least in that specific relationship i didn't get i mean i didn't get that sense like He's a photographer. He has his life. He's got his pet. I don't know. Like, is he trying? Like, that's what he's trying to do. He's just trying to get famous. Maybe. I mean, I guess. Why does anyone do these shows in the first place? I, I guess it didn't stand out. Right. That's me. the question because it's not like The Bachelor where you get on the show. The only way you're gonna meet that guy is if you're on the show. Ed and Rose. There, there are for every Ed and Rose. There's thousands upon thousands of other couples that are doing this without being yeah. on a reality TV show. So Ed and Rose, you know, they they met, and then at some point they must have applied to be on the show. Yeah, right. 
so it raises all these questions. It, would it have played out the same without the cameras? Or do some people say, oh, I want to go on that reality TV show. How about I start randomly reaching out to people and then we start kind of dating and then I pose the question, hey, what if we went on this reality TV show? What do you think? And then, you know, whether spoken or unspoken, it's uh, there sets up these rules of like, okay, we got to make sure we stay together long enough for there to be cameras on us. And sure, we might break up, but, you know, we're going to be famous and I'm going to yeah. be an Instagram star and I'm going to get all this attention. It raises all these all these questions that, of course, are impossible to investigate because you'd have to ask Ed and Rose, did you do this? Did you try to fake out the world or not? And of course, they have a billion reasons to 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 lie if if they did do it for the wrong reasons. But yeah. let me ask you this, Berto. Do you think that Ed and Rose truly, in the beginning, loved each other or wanted to try to make this work? Uh, okay, so uh, it's a complex question because, um, you know, we're assuming we we agree on what they, they mean by love, let alone what all of us mean by love. But well, that I'll say this. That they want to meet each other and get married yeah. and see if they want to spend the rest of their lives together. Right. Okay, so I'd say this. I, I'm pretty sure Ed was infatuated with her legitimately, thought she was attractive, was sort of like realizing he was batting above his, what is the saying? Batting above his uh, basketballs. Don't, you know me and idioms. I'm terrible with idioms. Okay, well, I'm worse. So, um, but, punch, pu- pu- punching, oh, punching below above his, his, no. Batting at ratio. <laughs> boxing above his weight class? <laughs> <laughs> uh, doping below the Tour de France. Okay. Yeah. So, anyways, hitting a long <laughs> touchdown. What was that? <laughs> uh, buzzer beating ping pong matches. Okay. So, anyways, my point is that I think he honestly was infatuated by her, and he thought, yeah, well, maybe this could work out. Um, I, I think she was probably attracted a little bit to his personality online because he tends to be funny. He's a little funny. You know, um, but I'm sure she was hesitant. Like, oh, who is this guy? He is a little weird. Um, I don't know what kind of pictures he had sent, but she, she probably, if she had seen the pictures, she's probably like, ah. Oh. He had lied about his height. You know, how, who knows what mental image she actually had of him? But you know, and come on, we we cannot like it's impossible to discount the appeal of. But you know, I'll end up in the United States, like. I don't care how pure you are. Like, of course that had to factor into her thinking. Um, So once she meets him in person, I am pretty sure she was not impressed, you know, at first. Um, But I do think that there were moments where where he started winning her over a little bit, you know, with his personality emotionally. And then clearly ruined and stepped all over that and... And then she would just yo-yo back and forth, like, okay, maybe this is okay. Oh, this guy is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. I, at first, was very skeptical of her feelings towards him. Uh-huh. And I knew enough to know not to uh, jump to any conclusions, but I was getting the impression she wasn't that into him. When they meet, she is standoffish. She right is like she, her visually she just came across like who is this guy <laughs> but as he started to hurt her feelings the, particularly mm. with the STD test in the, in, oh, the yeah. in the beginning of the season 
she seemed legit brokenhearted by the way she was being treated. And that was when I thought, oh, I think she really does deeply love him. And it felt like, it's hard to know, of course, it's speculation. That was like half of her love was broken in that moment. And then subsequent events after that broke her heart even more, particularly the most most recent episode where he's like, yeah, I don't want to have kids. I'm sorry I gave you the impression that I wanted to have kids. And Yeah, that the, was like the most de- devastating one. Yeah. Because that's a that's a pretty important thing to wait till you're already at her country touring, going on on you know, meeting her family, going on all these things. And because it, it wasn't it wasn't like a we should talk about that. I have mixed feelings, right? It was yeah, no, I'm not doing kids. May have wanted to mention that a little bit sooner. <laughs> right. And that points to this other theme that is worth investigating on the show, which is this sort of person, and of course it's on a monolith, who decides to find someone from another country who is younger, who who has far less power and privilege, who might not even speak English very well, and you might not even really understand what they're saying very well that we could speculate that Ed's motivation, although not conscious or maybe conscious, but at least in part subconscious, he want, because of his attachment injuries, not because he's evil, but because he believes that he can't, if he has someone who has power, you know, he believes that they'll get, they'll leave him. And he can't find love. And so his only way to get love is if he has some kind of some kind of upper hand, like something that attracts something, someone to him, not for who he is as a person or, be, or the way he looks, but some ul- ulterior motive, like a better life, money, these kinds right. of things. And then he thinks also, I want to find someone who I imagine to be unquestioningly attracted to me, someone who, no matter how badly I treat them, will just always want to be with me. And so, you know, yeah, sure, I'll lie to her about my my height. Hmm. I'll, I'll lie to her about, I'll lie by omission that I don't want to have kids. Right. And, you know, she'll put up with it because she doesn't have a choice. She She's an underprivileged girl who will do anything to come to the United States. And so, you know, I, I can just throw my weight around in this situation and not worry about the consequences. Now, I, I'm narrativizing it in a pretty malicious way, uh, and, I, and I don't know if it's far from the truth, but I, I do think that if that was true, it's because of his worries he can't actually get anyone to love him and or he's had that kind of behavior modeled to him, like exploitation or lack of consideration of other people's feelings or something is, is a common, you know, back background in, in people who do those kinds of things. Uh, but it does raise the question for all the people in this, in this show, you know, Lisa Nussman, the, the woman from the United States, the, the man from Nigeria, it, that has that kind of element to it as well. Any thoughts on that, Berto? Yeah, actually that one, 
that one really was crazy because, um, and again, so I, the, the whole show, the whole time I'm going like, what's the percentage of manipulation that, that I'm being subjected to right now? Is it like a hundred percent fake or is it, you know, 60, 40? It was kind of hard to tell, right? Because like, you're right. Like, how did they, did they self-select where the producers kind of like reach out to people, whatever. I'll say that in that case, it was really interesting because uh, at, towards like the beginning, the, um, what's the guy's name? Ed? No, no, uh, Ed, the other relationship. The, Usman, um, Lisa and Usman. Usman, yeah. Like he, he seems legitimately interested in her, like the way he speaks, all these things. But all his friends are like, dude, what are you doing? This is crazy, all this stuff. Um, and then the, the gal was another copy of Ed, basically. She was, like, super, like, protective and uh, jealous and, you know, like, you know, what are, you, what are all these all these women that are going to be into your rap career or your singing career, whatever? And, like, what do you mean you're going to have someone else in your video? Like, all those kind of things. Um, and it had the similar power dynamic. You're right. It was, like, well, I'm, I'm a privileged person. I'm doing you a favor. What's, it went unsaid, but it was there. It was, like... You owe me this, you know? And I got that sense from Ed, too. Like, like when he was bringing up, and again, just, I'm going to stop caveating that, like, I realize it's a show, but just taking out its fa- face value. Imagine the way he's asking her if she's going to, like, hey, your, your breath smells, like, here, use this. It's almost like a servant of his or, like, someone that works for him. Like, hey, FYI, I bought you something, like, your, your breath smells. Or, you know, like, he he would do a lot of things with her that it's more like, look, you owe me, like, I get to tell you a lot of things that I want you to do because, let's be honest, that's the situation. Then it wasn't said explicitly, but that's the sense that I got. Like, in a real situation, if you're like, oh, man, the breath doesn't smell so right. Like, you got to find a more subtle way to... Well, what would that <laughs> subtle way be? Because... My wife, when I have bad breath, she's not subtle about it. She's like, she she makes a massive, uh, you know, cringe face, a disgusting look on her face. And she's just like, oh, my God, your breath. Get a breath mint. That's disgusting. It smells like a, a used diaper that's left on the beach. You know, she doesn't say that. But you okay, know, but that's fine. So, so and what is she's your wife? Like she knows you. <laughs> but the thing is, is uh, that was the one scene where I feel like we're supposed to hate him. But I thought, well, what is the way? I mean, the, but what, I mean, so so imagine Berto, that what, you. <laughs> what would be your way? You tell me. Okay. okay well, wait. First let's let's wait. For, let's take a break. We okay. come back. <laughs> let's hear your way. <laughs> okay. All right. All right, we're back from the break. So, Berto, if you had to do two things, if you had to tell people to become a patron of the podcast while also telling them to clean up their breath, how would you say it? So this is a girlfriend of yours. You, you don't yeah, know her yeah. that well. Of You've never talked about uh, <laughs> breath before. And you want her to become a patron of the podcast. It's weird. She's your girlfriend, and she hasn't become a patron of the podcast yet. What would you say? I'd say... Hola, preciosa. We have to talk. Listen, I've been really thinking about you so much. I'm so obsessed with you. I, I, I think you're the greatest person I've ever met. And uh, I love our time together. 
I have this thing. I've been doing this research online. There's this one place that has this wonderful service for people where they, they talk about issues like the, the stuff you and I talk about. It's fantastic. It's called Psychology in Seattle. I think you and I should, should go in on this together. We should maybe patronize them, like give them some support and we can listen to the episodes together. And like, oh, crazy idea. Like we could like think about it, like wake up in the morning, brush our teeth, like really well, like extra. I bought some new toothpaste too. Like, oh, you're going to love it. And we'll like brush our teeth, like floss really well, brush again, spit it out, like rinse with some scope. I, I bought a few different um, mouthwashes. FYI. Totally because like, I want to support the show. That's the key. Wait, why, why are you slapping? Me? No, no, no. This has nothing. That's not what I'm saying. Can you talk that way? But this is not anything to do with your breath. No, the other way. Talk. All right, never mind. Just let's just support the show. <laughs> That's pretty good. Until you got to the mouthwash part, I, I was I was thoroughly manipulated. You'd be you'd be great on the show. Can you imagine you on the show? It'd be. So- oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna apply. This would be so awesome. <laughs> I know. It'd be so good. Oh my gosh. Um. So yeah. Okay. <laughs> Well, what did you think about when her her family, her sister, asked her for money? So one of the things that I'd like you to share, if it's relevant, your own experience, because yeah. you grew up in Bogota, and most of your extended family still lives in Bogota, Colombia. Yeah. And although Bogota and your family are not, I, from my understanding, nearly as poor as Rosa's family— uh, there's still a massive income disparity between people in Bogota and people in Seattle. Yep. And there has been money that you have personally sent over decades, lots and lots of money to Bogota, to ex- lots of people in your family. So uh, the way that the show presents it and what I'm guessing a lot of people who aren't really aware of that dynamic that is really present in a lot of people's lives is they look at that and they're like, oh, yeah, you know, like, let's just say Rose did know about her sister asking for money. Yeah. A lot of what viewers would be like, oh, yeah, she's just in it for the money. She's just using him for money. She's Ed sending her all these care packages. And that's the only reason why she's into this. And and the fact that money was even brought up just totally proves that she doesn't love him. It's all about the money. What are your thoughts on that, Berto? Hmm. Yeah, actually, that, a lot of those aspects definitely felt familiar because it was a huge theme growing up, This uh, that discrepancy. And it was manifested. I saw it in various ways, for example. And I, meaning I saw it from both angles. Uh, when, I, when I lived in the States uh, when I was little with my dad, when we would come visit, my dad would bring all these gifts for everyone, for all the kids and stuff like that. And it really felt like, I think to them, it felt like Santa Claus was coming from the United States to just bring, you know, we didn't celebrate Santa Claus, but we, we had baby Jesus. But like, it was like this big boon coming from the United States. Oh, because, you know, Dr. Humberto has been able to make it over there. So he's coming with all these gifts. Oh, how wonderful. Uh, and then I, I felt that when I was living there, both when my dad would come back, because there was a couple of years where I didn't, like he would be in the States and then come back and then he finally moved. But uh, also when my aunt would visit, because she, my aunt moved to the States at one point, uh, also married uh, a guy from here 
And frankly, when I look back at, at some of the aspects of their relationship, it reminds me a lot of what we see in the show because um, although she wasn't like a mail order bride or anything, but she had come here to visit and then I think they met and I think that's how she was able to stay because they, they got married. Um, he was super like jerky, you know, like he was very... Um, like, very an Ed, like an Ed or a Lisa? Um, a little more psychopathic. <laughs> oh no. Um, like he was this tall, typical looking gringo like tall, very pale, very white. Um, and I say tall because he was like six, six or something, you know, he wasn't just like a little tall. He was very tall. Um, and very opinionated, um, very demanding. Uh, and, and I swear, like, it felt like he treated her a little bit like, like she owes him allegiance. Cause you know, we're not going to say why, but we know why. It's like, that, that's a sense I got. And I, I, obviously at the time, I, I didn't realize it because I was a teenager. But looking back on it, because they ended, um, if, luckily, and then she she was so w- way better off because of it. But uh, it did remind me a little bit of those dynamics. And again, when she would come visit and then the two of them would come, they would bring gifts. Like my first computer, I got, it was his hand-me-down. You know, like they came to visit and... Um, Your Tandy? My Tandy color computer, the first one, it was his hand me down because he had bought a Commodore 128. Interesting. So I was like, oh my God. Well, so let me this ask you, when your aunt got married or she's engaged to this gringo yeah. who uh, presumably mm-hmm. has an average income in the United States, which is far greater than the average yeah. income in Bogota, was there buzz in your family of like, oh my God, like she struck... The, she, you know, she, she struck the jackpot. She, or she struck gold. She won the jackpot. Uh, it, was there talk along those lines? Um, well, first of all, I was a little too little to, if if that was the case, to catch on. Uh, the second thing is, she was sort of. My grandma was not happy that she had left, because they sort of expected her to be in the house and help indefinitely. <laughs> um, so I don't know how thrilled anyone was. But I do know they appreciated very much when they would arrive with gifts and new things and buy replacement this, that, and the other things. And I know that that was appreciated. Yeah, I Um, mean, uh, for those of you who aren't old enough to remember, to get any kind of personal computer around the year 1983 or whatever was a massive uh, event. Yeah. Me yeah. and all my friends, I I can think of one person who might have had a personal computer, and it was a Commodore sixty four, which is like barely a computer, really. <laughs> uh, so, so that must you must have been the bell, the ball on in your on among your friends. Well, it was funny. Uh, well, I I I went to a school where a lot of the kids that went there were very very wealthy um, because it was a private school, um, so. I, I don't know. I'm sure a lot of them ended up having computers. In fact, I know a lot of them did. But what I will say is the day I found out that I was getting this computer, I came home from school and my older cousin was ups- uh, was playing on this computer. He's like, he's like, yeah, check out my new computer. And I'm like, oh my God, what is that? And he was telling me, oh, it's this amazing computer. And him and I had gone to a computer class a few months prior to this. And even though he's like, seven years older than me, 
we were both into computers, right? So he starts listing off all the capabilities and he's totally making it up. He's like, yeah. I'm like, what languages does it do? He's like, oh, it does Lisp and Fortran and C and all these. And I'm like, really? Oh my God. And, and then he's playing the video game. And it's, you know, this crappy 80s video game, not even as good as a Nintendo 8-bit, you know. But I'm like, that's amazing. And then I'm so, internally, I'm so jealous, you know, like, oh, I can't believe he got this computer. Uh, but it turns out it was for me. <laughs> and, and of course, at that age, I didn't appreciate, because I was 10, maybe. I didn't appreciate the flip side, how he must have been feeling. He's like an older, you know, teenager. Imagine how amazing it would have been to get that computer. But the computer wasn't for him. It was for little baby Berto, because my aunt, you know, I was like her little baby, basically. Um, so I'm sure he was like kind of sad about that, right? Like, you know, yeah, it's not my computer. <laughs> yeah, but she was like your real mom when you were yeah. a kid. Yes, so yes. It, it was wasn't... like my mom bringing me a, a, a gift. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so can so the question that I raise is: Can Rose both? love ed or at least enough to see if there if a love can build once they meet in person and also be like well if i'm gonna fall in love then it better if it's an american my god uh what a wonderful stroke of luck to be you know transported from ultra poor conditions to living in a home with running water and security and healthcare and amazing doctors and a school system for my kid and a police system that is not corrupt like it here like it or even just a police system or a fire department that you know who knows what it's like in her town can you can both of those things exist at the same time yeah that's fascinating i think so that's why i was saying that it's impossible for me to imagine that 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 wasn't a factor, right? Like, because, look, I used to sit there dreaming, and like I had dreams where I had like where my family had won the lottery, or you know where something had happened where like maybe maybe we had all moved to the United States or like I would have these dreams where like we made it like oh we had money we had security right, and they felt really real and powerful and then when i would wake up i was so devastated because it's it's a reality and look i was not in misery like I, we had a house i had food you know like i wasn't even like i was like lower middle class so i wasn't starving or anything and yet there were so many things i didn't have access to you know like i when when at school they would have okay hey we're gonna have a little school retreat uh, you need to bring, let's say, the equivalent of 50 bucks or something. Maybe not even, maybe 25 bucks. I don't know. You need to bring 25 bucks so you can participate. Immediately, I was like, oh, man, how am I not going to be able to participate? Who am I? And there was like this super stressful thing. Like, who do I ask? My dad doesn't have it. I could ask my grandma, my mom, my dad's mom. She's, I don't know if she's got it. And then, you know, ultimately, somehow my mom would send the money or something. You know, like... But it was really stressful. And, and, and again, I got lucky because I did end up being able to participate, not in everything, but in quite a few things. I did. So I was actually very privileged by comparison to a lot of people, most people there. And yet I still felt that discrepancy. So I can't even imagine, you know, like when, when they show us her family, their situation, 
um, you know, I'm not saying they're not happy, but they certainly don't have material wealth. Oh my God! So, it, I just sorry for interrupting you. It yeah, just yeah, it just occurred to me. One of the classic uh, rom com tropes is for a poor girl to fall in love with a prince, <laughs> right? True. Cinderella, uh, ca- uh, pretty woman, classic right. classics, right? Where yeah. you. Or other reality TV shows like yeah, you, yeah. you. You, you want to. You can't. You, you're right. You can't get more classic than the poor uh, stepsister with no money, told basically almost destitute, being rescued by the prince. Like absolutely. Yeah, Arthur. Yeah. Uh, where this guy is lonely and super rich, but when yeah. the but when the woman is an American, and she's working class, but she rises to like upper class. We're we're up there going. We're yay, yay. but when 50 it's shades of gray, but when it's Usman or Rose, it's like ew, they're in it. They're gold diggers. Like isn't yeah, that that's really weird? Bad. Isn't that's really that bad? You're right. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Like I, I don't know how people are looking at it, but I'm just sort of guessing that they look at Cinderella and they cheer yeah. and they look at Rose and they boo. No, that's a great point. And uh, I think that part of it is maybe the uh, American exceptionalism feeling, like people going, oh, you you just want to come to our country and take all our resources. Yeah. So, you know how we talked about how Tiger King, I was proposing that it's Mm -hmm. classism porn. Yeah. That we, part of the main reason why we like Tiger King is because we get to laugh at... (laughs) lower class people with you know their drug addiction and their tattoos and their fashion and they're sitting in a junkyard and they don't have teeth and <laughs> they they're they're mullets and they're the way they talk and all that kind of stuff right i'm not gonna say that's everyone obviously i have no idea but i will say that for me i found that i was getting some enjoyment by going, ew, look at that, you know, he's on that jet ski and he looks like such a doof, you know. And <laughs> and one interpretation is that's because it's triggering some classism porn in me. And this show, I think, also has uh, American exceptionalism porn where as – and I know people all over the world watch this show, but privilege porn maybe yeah. where middle class people – watch this show and think, oh, look at all those people who would want, who would just die to marry me and put up with terrible behavior from me because of what I have. I have a house. I have running water. I have health care. I have a bank account. I have a good job. I, I have, uh, I have three cell phones and a laptop and, and look at these people, how desperate they are to come to the United States. And of course, some of the couples on this show really break that mold. And I like that they do that. There are people in Australia or people in England who are not dying to come to the United States. Yeah. Like the, the Seattle gal and the Australian, he's Australian, right? Well, he lives in Australia, but he's from a small island near Madagascar. Oh, right. yeah, yeah, but we could say Australia. But that yeah. dynamic was very different because that definitely I didn't get at all the sense of like, 
oh, he's just trying to come to the United States or something. Um, that one, it was, <laughs> again, it felt so cartoony. Um, I just finished watching that. So there was the, where he finally, we see how he is at giving his seminars. And I'm like, this is, are you, this can't be how he makes his living. Like, I've never seen anyone be so bad at, at something as he appear, appears to be at this job. Yeah, well, what do you think about that? I mean, he's supposed to be giving the seminar to women about relationships. And what they're filming is him from like word one or two in, immediately start insulting them by, you know, he's like, yeah, okay. So as we know, and as we know, your brains, they're kind of like, you know, a box. But we are not. Men are not like that. And so they're all, and of course, again, filming the producer, like, yeah, 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 get their faces. Because they're all like, what? What's going on? And then it gets so bad because we're meant to see that he's getting like bad looks the whole time. And so then he gets stuck. And then he actually has like a panic attack, a meltdown, and he has to leave. And I'm like, this is how he makes his living? Like, how is this possible? And, and nothing that they showed us in that film segment had a single ounce of of a usable, uh, like... Product. Product that anyone would pay for. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to reserve my thoughts about that because I am making a reaction video specifically to that class okay. that uh, I actually recorded last night. It probably won't be published in, for another few weeks because I have to publish all these other reaction videos before we get to that one. But to the listeners, uh, if you're curious about what I think, and I have a lot of reaction, I'm what, because I was like you, Bert, like I Apparently, this is a really big scene in the show, and yeah. I, I've been avoiding the internet, uh, you know, spoilers. And so when it, when we got on that seminar, I was like, okay, great, this is going to be awesome. This is how he makes <laughs> this is how he makes his living, and he comes across right. like a smart, put together guy. Yeah. And he often does have the right things to say. And I thought, okay, we're going to see, apparently, uh, lots of people come to him for right. advice. He's, you know, I'm, as, a, as a therapist and as a professor, I'm guessing I'm going to scoff a little bit at it. But, you know, I'll, pro I'll probably hear things like, you know, um, you have to believe in yourself. You have to love yourself first before you can be loved by other people. And you have to make sure that... You have friends and you have hop, you know, things that you've told people before. Yep. And, and from word one, and <laughs> I, I was literally falling out of my seat. I, I was watching the, I was watching it and reacting and I, I literally fell on the ground yeah. next to me right here because my, <laughs> I think it was my eyes were rolling so hard. The momentum oh actually threw me out of my chair. Oh my gosh. I'm going to have to do my own reaction video then because that's kind of what, what I was going through. Um, so without going too much into it so, so that your video uh, speaks for itself, what I will say is that nothing they showed us seemed like a usable product. And uh, of course it ruins their dynamic. So like, so the whole deal with them is not, in my mind, a power struggle between two different, you know, classes. That one is really like uh, a, a completely bad relationship um, that, that started from physical attraction and immediately it was obvious that it was full of holes. <laughs> well, what are the holes? Yeah, so he is clearly... I mean, look, 
you know, you and I have gotten into so many debates over the years. I've gotten into rooms full of women debating me about views about, you know, differences between men and women. I couldn't hold a candle to this guy. <laughs> you know, like he's just like caveman plus plus or something. And uh, so that's one thing. Second, uh, I don't know, like, what she thought she was getting into, but she's immediately like, wait, your seminars are all with women? They're all single women? I see texts in your phone from single women. Well, so, again, it's like... So, let me comment on that a yeah. little bit. Uh, because at first I was like, well, he's a relationship coach, which is far afield from what I do as a therapist. Co coaching is... I, I'm pretty sure in Australia it's the same. In the United States, coaching is an unregulated uh, professional designation, meaning that an eight-year-old can call themselves a relationship coach. <laughs> if they want, Donald Trump could call, could just wake up tomorrow and start selling his exactly. services as a relationship coach. It it means nothing. It's like saying you. Uh, you know, I don't know what are other kind of. You're an Instagram influencer. Like anyone can just say that, right? There's no professional license. Now, people on the outside can say, "Oh, you're not really that," or whatever. But, but relationship coach could mean, and it could mean so many different things. It could mean something that is very akin to therapy, and maybe even dips too far into therapy. Or it could be something like he literally has sex with people to teach them how to have sex. Which which would potentially be legal, you know? It it would potentially right. not not be illegal to to do that. So when you because there's no regulation, because there's no standard of care, because there's no certification process that is recognized, uh, because there's no license. Mm -hmm. Me as a therapist, I have to go to a very I have to go through a very specific graduate training program that is specifically designed for licensure. Uh, schools that don't adhere to that uh, education standard, you can't get licensed from that graduate. Just because you have a master's degree or a doctorate doesn't mean you can get licensed. You have to. Everything is geared in this direction that is highly regulated and highly, you know, uh, discussed for years and years. And then you get a license, and then that license requires you to do all these different things to keep your license. And if you cross lines or do bad things, then you can have your license taken away from you. And there are professional organizations that help influence you on understanding what the standard of care is. And obviously, I'm a professor. And so there's a, it's a highly professional thing in the same way that being a heart doctor or being a psychiatrist or being an eye doctor. You know, if you've ever gone to an eye doctor in, in the United States, you've gone to all the eye doctors because they all do the same thing. Why do they all do the same thing? Because there's a standard of care. You don't, you can't be a medical, eye, an op, optometrist. You can't have a license in eye doctorship uh, and, and just decide, you know what, I'm going to point these crystals at your face and determine what kind of glasses you need to wear. <laughs> now, I'm sure there are people out there that want to do that, but they would, they one, would not get through graduate school because they'd be kicked out, and two, they would lose their license almost immediately. So coaching, I hope people understand, there's none of that regulation. Anyone can do it. So as I was watching it, I was like, well, who knows what the hell this guy is, but it, you know, from this, if he's making a living out of it, I assume that he has a product that people really like. And then we see that session where he has, he's doing FaceTime with someone. Right. And in that, in that FaceTime session, they just show very small clips. 
but it seemed like it was helpful. He's talking about love languages, and she was actually in a relationship, and so he was right. helping her to better her relationship with this guy through his methods that he has. Then, um, then, and Avery is really uh, jealous, and yeah. she, you know, he, he she sees that he has sixty eight texts on his phone one day, and most of his clients are women. And some of his clients are single. And all I'm thinking of myself is, you could easily say the same thing about me. I mean, <laughs> uh, not that my clients are mostly women, because that's not true. But there have been times when that's true. And there have been times when I had a full practice. And if I had a cell phone back then, I might have received many messages from my clients. If I had the sort of treatment protocol where I elicit in between session communication, check-ins, this kind of thing. I don't do that, but some therapists do. DBT therapists will do that kind of thing. Uh, and you can say that 95% of my students and supervisees are women. And a lot of those supervision meetings that we have, they're one-on-one. -on -one, and sometimes they're crying and I'm supporting them and I'm telling them they're good people. Sometimes they're talking about how they have low self-esteem and and if you just – if you looked at my career in a certain way, the way Avery was looking at his career, yeah. you could easily <clears throat> see it as nefarious as if, as if I'm doing it to have sex with a lot of young women or something, which right. is just like ridiculous. And so yeah. when she was being jealous of him and I knew – and the show was trying to kind of drum up that story – because they play the ominous music, you know, at that time. <laughs> I was like, hey, wait a second. Yeah, like, exactly. Innocent until proven guilty. Like, okay, Avery, you have some questions. Great. Let's have, let's have some conversations, which, by the way, he was extremely shady about. Oh, yeah. Uh, by the way, um, his eyes. Yeah. There's something about, because he, like, opens, like, and I just, maybe that's just the way he looks. But it always looked like he's like, I might murder someone right now. Yeah. He has <laughs> he has resting murder face. <laughs> RMF. I love it. Yeah. RMF. <laughs> now now who knows? Some people have some people have like ticks in their eyes where Yeah. yeah. And I And, I, and I he did because he does does sometimes do that, right? Yeah. But so fine, so we shouldn't make fun. But yeah. it just like looked like he was about to <laughs> Yeah, he had he had kind of an odd look occasionally. So, so there was that part of it, um, and then when yeah when he does when he did the the seminar, it made me it, everything was thrown into question. It was like, has he ever given a seminar before? Because it sure doesn't <laughs> look like it. Yeah, and uh, yeah. So well, and the, I love how they set it up because uh, again we're kind of stomping on it, but the, they they show that one gal in between the the audience who's like really attractive and she's like yeah I'm really looking forward to this and then like two words in she's like uh and then she's like yeah I was really disappointed by this <laughs> yeah I mean I thought the women were extremely generous with their statements yeah. I mean if yeah. I was them I would have been like. Not only was that the dumbest thing I've ever seen, I've lost ten IQ points just being in his <laughs> just being in his presence. Like that uh, that was like so dumb. Like there are people like Jordan Peterson who can be sexist, but at least it has some compelling nature to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where, whereas 
this guy, it was like, it was, I mean, I was cringe. Anyway, you, you yeah. watch the whole thing. So, so, uh, so the, and then the other thing that they were accusing him of, Avery, and the show, I think, was that because he's a relationship person, he knows how to manipulate women and all <laughs> that kind of thing. And, okay, I guess, but I'm a professional relationship person. I'm a professional listener. I'm a prof- I get paid to make people feel good through conversation. So right. I, too, know all the right things to say and to assume and, – and people have said that about me uh, throughout my life. They will say, wow, you, you really know the right thing to – I remember people saying this to me when I was 16 years old. They would say wow. something like, wow, you have a way of putting things that really – is great. I like that. And I and that sort of influenced my decision to become a therapist because and an educator. It was it, to become a therapist and an educator, you have to be able to put things into words that is interesting or compelling right. or influencing to other people. So I am a professional talker, a professional convincer, a professional downloader of information. One could say, I wouldn't word it this way, that I'm a professional manipulator of of people, you know? Uh, when clients come to me, I'm trying to change them. Now, I'm not trying to do it maliciously or without knowing, without them knowing what I'm doing, but I, I'm, I, through my talk, I, I help people. And to, for Avery and the show to identify that as shady and a indication that, it would be used for evil, I found to be problematic. Again, by the, you know, going up through episode 11, we see that he's really a piece of work. <laughs> he's got some issues, that guy. So it's possible, but we didn't see any direct information. I mean, there was no ex-client of his that came forward and said, yeah, he really messed with my head and really hurt me. Like, we didn't, we didn't see anything like that. And we no. saw no behavior professionally. I mean, if anything, he's terrible at influencing people because when he was giving his class, he clearly just had no idea what he was doing. Right. Um, and by the way, uh, I Googled uh, him because after that seminar, I was just like, I got to find out information about him. Because, you know, they shot this show a while ago and yeah. there's a few more episodes that are you know going to come out. But when that episode aired, he got so much bad social media Oof. stuff. People were attacking him all over the world. Oh, man. And making fun of him that he's completely got off social media and he has apologized. Okay. Which I found to be quite surprising because in his relationship interactions with Avery, he seemed almost incapable of taking responsibility and apologizing. Well, yeah. And so what I found really interesting too was that um, just so like, not even just in the seminar, just in general, when he's brought up, uh, the conversation with Avery about like men and women and stuff like that, he doesn't really know how to talk about it in the first place. Even, you know, let's say I do have a, let's say I had a view that was, um, like, I, I believe that this, I'm clarifying, this is not my view, but I'm just well, saying, no, well, actually for this exercise, pick a view that you do have Okay, fair. that, that might be. Not necessarily received well by somebody, you know? Okay, fair enough. Yeah, so I'd say that, uh, yeah, so I do believe that there are, that there are differences in, in the interests between 
the average interest between men and women. Oh God, you're gonna, uh, you're let's gonna, say between you're going to trigger me between boys and girls. Yes, so that a, a five-year-old boy, their behavior and interests might differ on average than a five-year-old girl. Oh, I'm already triggered. Yeah. Okay. So, so give that talk. Give two minutes plus. You're in front of those women. So, well, actually, so this is actually a good exercise. I like this. Okay. Um, is you are Ash, and you have that value. It's yes. not you're, you know the pendulum hasn't. You're not way far down the line as he is, but you know you're you're dipping into that world, and you're trying to teach the, these seven women. You're trying to be useful to them as a relationship seminar. What would you say? Like truly from your heart, what would you s- try to say to people? Right. I, I'd start with, um, so let me try to put this in a way that your female brain can understand. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding, kidding. Okay. He no, no. <laughs> literally said. Basically said that, yes. Stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. No. What I, here's what I would say. Look. I, I realize, A, that this might be a little controversial, and actually, I don't really have proof about this. I'm just going to say that in my experience, and, and it's very well possible that it's just because of how we indoctrinate each other when we're, our parents indoctrinate us and things like that. In my experience, you know, by the time I was a five-year-old boy, and certainly by the time I was a 10-year-old boy, definitely by the time I was a 15-year-old boy, me and my boy peers seem to be behaving and being into interests that, that were not exactly aligned with the average uh, group of, of girls that, that we would see. And, and I, there were always crossovers. Like my best friend uh, for years and years in the, in the school bus was, was a girl, and she was very much into almost everything I was into. Right. Same movies, same things. So I'll, so I'll pause you right there. You're coherent. You, you're laying out your argument. You have examples. It makes sense. It's it. There's some caveats in there of like, well, you know, maybe it was indoctrination, maybe it wasn't, and it it. There's not. Yeah, it. You're you're a thousand times better, and you're not even a professional relationship coach who gives right. seminars on you. This was just off the top of your head, like the level of incompetence that he had. Now he says that he froze up, which is. Yeah. Totally possible. I mean, I, as a sure. as a person who has massive performance anxiety, I, I've been there. And so there's another part of me that just that just genuinely felt bad for him as a fellow relationship professional. But, but Kirk, hold on. Here's, here's me freezing up while I'm trying to tell you something. Like, Kirk, look, I think you're an idiot. Uh, I'm freezing up. And then you already said that you're an idiot. Like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I don't care that you're freezing up. You just call me yeah. an idiot. But, but I will. So I will give him credit for uh, pretty fully apologizing. He, he posted this video and I watched okay. it. And he doesn't blame anyone. And he, he's just like, I made a terrible mistake. And I've now realized that my point of view is, is, out, is out of you know, outdated, and I'm, I'm going to pull back on social media, everyone. Uh, I'm really sorry that I did this. I realized I hurt people's feelings with the things I was saying. Uh, it, you know, the, the way that it looks to me is just a dude completely out of his league. Yeah. Just someone who – the, the questions I would want to ask him is, how long have you had this business of relationship coaching? Because there's a possibility it's a it's a month old, you know. 
The other thing right. I would ask him is, how long have you made your full living from relationship coaching? Because and it could be that he's very good at one-on-one. Right. You know, that would be the other question. That'd be the other question. I'd say like, yeah. how many seminars had you given prior to that moment? Because <laughs> if it's three, then okay, that's it's evident. But if it's been five hundred, <laughs> then it, everything is like well. Then I'd want to see tapes from those other seminars and. <laughs> Were they all that bad? You know, uh, because... Can you imagine you, you go to a Tony Robbins, you know, 2,000-person coliseum with... Yeah. And then you're like, wait, what's going on here? Right. Now, I will say, and watch my reaction videos where I go into full detail, but he presented some pretty concerning behaviors, just to name a couple. One is is as... Avery is like, wow, you really bombed that class and you got defensive. He didn't admit anything. He was like, well, he even said the students chose to make it not work for them. You know, he's like, I can't do any, I can't do anything if the participants were choosing not to understand what I was saying. That's what he said. And that one specifically reminds me of, uh, have you ever seen the, Videos of all of these martial artists that claim they have like the power yeah. where they can just hit you without touching you and all this stuff. Uh, that's the most common refrain. Yeah. Why didn't it work this time? You just didn't let it work for you. Right. Well, that's, you weren't open. It, it, to expand it, that's the common refrain of pseudoscientists mm. is, yeah, right. I can cure you of cancer with this energy healing and these crystals and, you know, this this procedure where I poke things in your body and if it doesn't work, it's your fault because you didn't believe it. Ghosts. You didn't see them because you weren't into it. You didn't... Right. The brain, I can read your brain. Oh, no, but you're not into it, so I can't... Right. Yeah. And so he probably comes... He, he seemed to have some of those markers where he, you know, he talks about energy and, yeah. you know, vibrations. And, you know, it's just waiting for the quantum physics bullshit to come into his, into his language, which I'm sure is there. I can't say for sure. But... But it takes a special kind of person to completely bomb in the most glorious fashion. I've never seen someone bomb as hard as that. It takes a special kind of personality to walk away from that and blame it on the participants, right? <laughs> yeah. And to be totally cool. Like, if I would, anyone else with a different personality structure would be falling over themselves of just like, oh my God. My yeah. God, what happened? My my brain froze up. Uh, I wasn't prepared. Uh, I should have given that other talk. I'm so embarrassed. Like, oh, my, you know, facepalm, facepalm, facepalm. And he's just acting like when they when they had that the after shot, the next scene, they're walking on that dock. Yeah. With the way he was walking, I was like, oh, this must be like a few days later. <laughs> Right. Because he seemed totally okay, like as if they just went to dinner or something. Yeah. But no, this was directly after. And I thought, how is he walking tall as if nothing happened? So <laughs> that, that takes a special kind of personality. Then when she says, you, you, you were being defensive, and he's like, no, I wasn't. I wasn't being <laughs> defensive. And then, and no, then you're she's- you're being defensive. Yeah. And then she's like- uh, it, well, actually, he barely says, I, I, he's like, well, I don't think I was being defensive. But, you know, thanks for telling me that. Th- you know, th- thanks for the feedback, kind of doing a 
relationship coach language. Like, okay, I, I hear what you're saying, and I'm really, I'm really glad you said that. That kind of sort right. of vibe mode that he goes into, and Avery starts to lose it. She's like, no, 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 don't treat me that way. What is happening inside of you right now? And right. what was happening inside of you in that class? Because you bombed, and you were, and you were being defensive on stage, and you had no idea what you were talking about. And and now I'm telling you that I don't like anything you said, <laughs> and what's happening inside of your mind and your soul? And he's like, huh? Well, you know, that's thanks for you bringing that up. It's it's good that you're saying that. It's like no, <laughs> yeah. you know, like someone gets in a car accident and they're in the hospital, and you walk up to them and you're like, so how'd it go? You're like, oh, okay. I hear that you're interested in. Me breaking my arm and crashing. I, you know, I, I'm, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm so. I really value your curiosity. End of sentence. It's like, uh, so that takes a special kind of personality yeah. to to do that kind of thing. It's yeah. it's pretty. It was pretty eye opening to who mm-hmm. he was, which I get into in my reaction videos. But okay. did you? Did, did, or as I'm reminding you of those behaviors, does does it kind of resonate with you at all? Absolutely. So when when that whole relationship first started, I actually was completely on his side because uh, they you know they hadn't shown enough, and I thought, oh man, you know this guy seems totally put together. He's super in shape. He seems like he's like into you know meditation. He's yeah, yeah. He's like, like Patrick Bateman. Yeah, Patrick. Ba- oh, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I thought okay, this is great, and then I thought, wait, she seems really immediately. I was like, wow, she seems really worried about him and his business, but that's his business. Okay. But yeah, absolutely. Like halfway in, maybe, or maybe even sooner, all those red flags, you put them very well, but I, I didn't think of them that explicitly. To me, it was more like, okay, it, he didn't initially come off like narcissistic or whatever, but clearly something is odd because he doesn't react like in a normal way at all. And then when she brings stuff up, his facial expressions, again, I don't know how much of it is just I'm overreacting to his eyes, but... His facial expression, like, what I'm hearing is like, how the fuck do you dare say that to me? It's like, okay, okay, calm down, calm down. She's just bringing something up. Um, And so, yeah, I got all sorts of little red flags for so many of those interactions. Um, Yeah. But, But by the way, to tie it back to how we dropped into this thread, none of that felt to me as class disparity. It yeah. was all about, at most, it was about like female versus male disparity or uh, asshole versus non asshole disparity. <laughs> or just they happen to meet online. Yeah. And as if you, you know, someone in Seattle met someone in New York online. Yeah. And it just, it's a long distance relationship, but it just happens to be between Australia and the United right. States. Yes. Now, exactly. having said that, we can't ignore the possibility. That he, although likes Melbourne, he would like to come to the United States as well. Sure. You know, there are, there are people who live in Seattle who want to go to Canada, for example. <laughs> you know, they, they're, they're like, oh, wouldn't it be great if I met someone in Vancouver, Canada, and married them? Right. And Because I, I love Vancouver. I want to move there. And I can't really move there. So two birds with one stone, I'll start dating <laughs> someone. And I get to move, right? Yeah. Um, Okay, well, let's close it out. So I told you to watch Ed and Rose, Lisa Newsman, 
and Avery. I also watched the the Russian gal and the the United States. Oh, okay. So what do you think of? So that's Jeffrey and Jeffrey and Varia. Jeffrey. Okay. So that one was uh, one of the most fascinating for me because it did not go at all the way I expected, especially the way it started. Um, I I expected it was going to be more the 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 norm the normal thing they were setting up, which is he seemed pretty well put together. Um, and then she was from Russia. So like, it was going to be like, okay, she's just trying to get over here. Uh, but then it pretty quickly shifted power dynamic to where it's like, wait, she seems way more put together than him right now. He seems a lot more like insecure and he was hiding the thing that he was like, had been in prison. Um, and, uh, they, they, when they, all those first few episodes, it was like, oh my gosh, this is going to this is going to die. This is not going to work at all. That's a common theme where the American has the most insecurities and the yeah. most personality issues. And then the person That's from the true. other country seems oh, so yeah. much more differentiated and raised well. That kind of Rose seems like she was raised really well. And she's yeah. very, she's assertive and reacts in ways that we could relate to a little bit more Usman in a similar way. He seems to react in a way that we could relate to. Uh, but Vari is a bit different because there's that whole question, of, you know, midway through the season where she lied about having dated all those other guys in the United right. States and didn't tell him about that. Not yeah. that that indicts her that she is lying to Jeffrey, but it does raise a question as to, yeah what's going on there and why she would keep that from him. Um, of course, we know why she would keep that from him, yeah. but... Uh, and we know why he would keep that he had been in jail. Like, who, like, do you really do that? You would meet someone online and be like, yeah. I guess maybe, like, right up front, like, oh, FYI, I've been in jail. Right. That, that, that was, that's another thing that the show has a hard time differentiating between. Of Like, the, it was, there's something with Je- Darcy and Tom that was kind of like that as well. Where Darcy got into, well, actually, was older with Jesse. Uh, but anyway, the point is, is that, yeah, when you date someone, you might it might take you. Well, well, actually, with with Avery and Ash, Ash had had a bankruptcy in the past, mm. and he seemed a little shady in his response about it. But it's like, well, when you're first dating someone, uh, right, you might be embarrassed about some things, and you're you're not going to be forthcoming. Now, how do you differentiate between the things that you are allowed, if you will, to wait to reveal right. and the things that most people would agree, that's pretty lame. You know, like with yeah. Ed not saying he doesn't want to have kids, that's a that's something you should say right away. Um, you know, when they do dating profiles, that's that's one of the questions that is right up front. Do you want to have kids? You know, yeah. it's similar to what, what gender are you and what age are you? Do you want to have kids? Like most people would agree you that's that's a deal breaker. pretty important yeah <laughs> for people so anyways but yeah that that one uh in at least in these last few episodes i thought okay this is this is turning out well actually like they seem to be getting along you know? yeah they seemed like uh, compared to all the other couples genuinely in love yeah and acting like a young couple where they can't get their hands off each other and they have sex yeah. on the plane and they're joking around with each other. Right. Like I was like, oh, what a beacon of light this couple is that yeah. they actually seem like a typical couple. Yeah, so that was good. <laughs> but what do you think? Like as the as the season goes on, do you think Varya was using him 
And the other question I have is, do you think Jeffrey is a psychopath? Because that's that's the rumors online, because a lot of people are digging up his police reports and stuff. Um, and spoiler alert uh, for the rumors is that there's allegations of massive domestic violence, intimate partner violence that he oh. has c- committed. It's rumors that I can't. That's totally just alleged by Internet people. So God knows. But. There's been more than one – there's reports of more than one partner giving accounts of extensive abuse, like like O.J. Simpson level, you know. Oh, my God. I like didn't t- know that. Like grabbing by the hair and dragging around the house and that kind of thing. Now, again, it's just people on the internet. Wait, but, sorry. So this is the guy with Varya? Yeah, Jeffrey. Yeah. Jeffrey. Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay. So that's the rumor, and, and, and people online, by the way, just before you go on, is uh, internet people saying total serial, serial killer vibes from him. Um, <laughs> another person says, he's too emotional, and it's freaking me out, which I found actually to be the scene where he's really sad when he finds out that she was lying to him about uh, dating other men from the United States. He was really hurt by that. Yeah. And I thought, well makes sense that he's hurt yeah um and that's then, weird i okay so i mean i know that he had been in prison and it was for selling uh drugs it sounds like uh i guess this one slipped by me. i i had not gotten serial killer vibes from him i just thought that he was uh, uh he was a little bit in, initially in the first few episodes i felt that he was a little insecure and that um, but and and then to answer your other question, yeah, I do believe just like we said before, and I'm not even saying there's anything wrong with it. I'm actually just saying like, oh, of course, especially as someone that grew up in another country and wanted to come to the states, of course that's got to be a factor in their head. It might not even be a factor they feel proud of. It might not be a factor they are aware of consciously, but it's got to be a factor. Um, I, I mean, why did I leave all my friends? my entire family except for my mom basically to move here at 15 it's because like it there was this promise of a place without <laughs> government corruption and without and with good oversight and good regulations of our environment oh damn it well <laughs> anyways <laughs> let's not downplay bullets flying into your house yeah in Bogota, exactly. yes. uh, the conditions of just your street you lived on yeah. was... I wanted was, to live to a place without guns. Oh. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, I know you're being funny, but, you know, yeah. it, it, empirically speaking, if you just align all the different factors, yes. safety, uh, money, health care, all those things, it's... Yeah. You, you, it was you, very appealing. Yeah. And... Uh, yeah, and that's the part of it that I think is important for everyone to understand that just because that's on the mind of some of these people doesn't mean that they're terrible people. That you, you know, you, you can have both things. That that's what I, I always, as I watch this show, I'm always thinking, okay, I'm a I'm a young, um, attractive woman in uh, is she in Russia or Ukraine? She's in Russia. No, I think they are in Russia because then they, they go to. Um... So I'm a young woman and I'm attractive, and okay, I'm getting up there into my years, and I, I'm thinking about settling down. Okay, well, I've met men all over the world and in my in my hometown. Hmm. Well, I, and I seem to get 
a lot of men attracted to me. So let's see, I have my choice of men. Hmm. What should I do? <laughs> yeah. I, I, two good looking guys. Both of them have good personalities. One of them lives in my hometown and works at the post office and drinks all the time <laughs> and has friends who regularly abandon their girlfriends. I, I'm stereotyping and being a, but you know, you can imagine that thought process yes. or this guy who lives in Tennessee or wherever he's from. A serial killer from the state. <laughs> <laughs> exactly you know you can just imagine like okay well i mean two birds one stone i mean uh, uh why not um anyway and the you know they the show points out that it's not without its cost varia right. is varia is very sad about moving away from her town and not seeing her mom anymore and all those kinds of things so anyway yeah. Uh, did you get a chance to watch any of the Yolanda scenes? Uh, which one is that one? She's like a 50-year-old African-American woman. The one that was get, getting kind of catfished? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I didn't watch all of that one, but it's the one like the dude's like he's super buff and he sends yeah. the pictures. And then the, the kids are like, what are you doing, mom? Yeah. This is not real. Right. And then, but I didn't, I didn't like, uh, I stopped following it, unfortunately, so I don't know what happened. You pretty much summed up all 11 episodes. <laughs> you probably, and that's one of those, uh, and it's same, same with David. I don't know if you saw any of his scenes. No. Uh, he, he is uh, in love with a woman, Lana, from, from Ukraine. And oh, yeah. Both I know of which them, one you're talking about, but I didn't see that. Both of them seem to be catfished. And the show, they really string out that story. You know what I mean? Because yeah. <laughs> the, there's not a lot, because there's no... There's no progression to a relationship, right? Because you know, eleven episodes in anyway. There's no actual contact in person, and so it's all the intrigue and the. Actually, the, that's funny you say that because because I I swear I swore that there was something going wrong with my, like I, I got confused a couple of times. I'm like, wait, am I in a different episode? Because I was fast forwarding, and I would see the scenes from that one that I'm like, wait, I think I already saw this scene. And then I would stop, and I'm like, they're still talking about this guy might be catfishing her. Yeah. I'm like, wait, what's going on? <laughs> yeah. It, it, uh, David, in particular, like, he keeps asking to meet her, and then there's, like, two episodes where he's getting to the destination, and then oh, there's, and like... and David has a friend from yeah, Ukraine, right? Yeah, right. And she's trying to advise him. Yeah. I, I saw a couple of those episodes. Yeah. <laughs> and then they sh they flash to the door... And you think, oh, she, Lana's going to walk in, and then oh, next episode, and then you watch the next episode, and they build it all back up again, and no one walks in the door, and he closes his laptop, and he's like, well, I guess she's not coming, and that's just like, oh my God. <laughs> now, what I will say is a lot of people on the internet are just like, okay, obviously, he's being catfished, and obviously, Yolanda and David know they're being catfished, but they're, they just want to be on a TV show, and so they're acting like... Mm -hmm. They don't know they're being catfished. Now, what I'll say is absolutely that's possible. It wouldn't be beyond the realm of possibility for people to want to be famous uh, through that mechanism. However, being catfished is a legitimate thing that happens to people because yeah. when you – I mean, let's just forget about catfishing and let's look at it in an analogous situation. Most people know either for themselves or people that they've, you know, friends of theirs or family members, 
where they have been in a relationship with someone that was obviously not good for them. Someone who cheated on them, physically abusive, never home, emotionally abusive for 10, 20 years. And those people, when you look at them, I mean, being catfished is better than that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and the, so we look at those people, and I hope through enough awareness, we now know that you get beaten down, you have low self-esteem, you don't have options, you're afraid. You know, there are factors that get in the way, but also brainwash you into thinking because you have all these hopes and dreams of just like, well, maybe he'll change. Maybe she'll be different. Maybe if we have another kid, uh, she will calm down. And I hope most of us can understand that because that happens all the time. And we don't look at those people and go, oh, they're only doing it because they want to be on a reality TV show. <laughs> they're only doing it because they're faking it. They want attention. Certainly that's possible, but it's more likely that they are trapped or they feel like they don't have any other options or they go into denial because they just want to believe. And a lot of people are catfished on that basis. The people who catfish people know that humans will do that. That's why catfishing works. That's why catfishers do the catfishing because they figured out a long time ago that some people are susceptible to this. Now, the other thing is people say, well, it takes a kind of a weirdo to be susceptible to this. No, it does not. It takes a particular kind of desperate person who's been hurt a lot in their life. I mean, Yolanda, for example, her husband died not too long ago, and she was with him for a long time. And that was devastating to her. And you could imagine that that could cause some issues. Plus, she, right. according to her story, her narrative is she was a lot bigger in the past and for a long time. And you could imagine years and years of feeling unattractive, no one will love you. And then this super hot guy from, from another country loves you. And you're just like, oh, my God, my, since I was 13, I've dreamt of Prince Charming, this beautiful man sweeping me off <laughs> my feet. Yeah, there's a lot of reasons to err on the side of like, well, you never know. Maybe, right. you know, okay, I, I, I hear all the reasons why you believe I'm being catfished, but you know, there's a there's still a possibility that this right. is legit. You know, and he's giving me some excuses. And you could imagine, like, in fact, I think they show this a bit, right? Which is, um, wait, so so you don't think someone like this could be into me? Is that what you're saying to me? Like, what's wrong with me? Right. You know, why shouldn't I deserve this? Right. Having said all that, there's a chance that we already know, or news reports will come out, that Yolanda and David absolutely knew the whole time. And they were, you know, so I'm not saying I know for sure, but I just want to say that looking at the data in the TV show, for me, I don't have enough to go off of to say she yeah. is, if anything, based on what they're showing us, I would guess that she's, that her trust in the situation is eroding ever so slowly as the, as the show progresses. But, but I could absolutely see a situation like that. I, we only have a couple of minutes here, Berto, but I want to get to some things. Um, so uh, Drew asked some questions like, you know, could there be a fallout, you know, for the people on this show? And the, the very brief thing I'll say is that the knee-jerk reaction is that it's very terrible to people on the show. And there are news reports, you know, one headline, 
It's been claimed 38 celebrities around the world are suspected to have died by suicide following links to reality TV shows. Berto, yeah. Berto what do you think about that headline? Uh, well, I wouldn't. I mean, there's been so many reality shows that, first of all, I wouldn't be too surprised if, I mean, there must have been thousands and thousands of reality show participants. Right. So that's the first thing that one needs to consider is a good percentage of people kill themselves. Yeah. And if you have thousands and thousands of people in a group, i.e. those who have been on a reality TV show, then yeah, you're going to, in fact, 38 sounds low, honestly. Yeah. Um, now, the other thing is, is there are some reports that for some individuals, the experience of being on the show could have been a factor and could it have been a factor absolutely but is it inherently suicide inducing i would say not likely we have uh, not to mention that there, there's a self-selection happening here like not everyone selects to be or to even try to be on a reality show right so we don't know is there some correlation between the type of Right. factors in people's heads that would lead to them wanting to be in a reality show that then would make them more or less susceptible to right. you know, depression or suicide. Or other yeah, things. I mean, one factor, like on 90 Day Fiance, is, for the Americans, is, as you said earlier, are these, have these people had a hard time relating to people in general? And so that's why they're resorting right. to this other behavior. I mean, that's quite a generalization. It's, there's nothing wrong with meeting someone from another country and dating them. But, but it does raise some questions of which we, I have found no research on. So the question yeah. is, does reality TV damage people? I don't know because the, re, the research is, isn't out there. Now, I do know personally a... Uh, my supervisee, she's come on the podcast before. She was on The Bachelor and she had some good times and bad times on that show and afterwards. And uh, it's affected her, but she seems resilient. So my suspicion is that if you are prone to depression or low self-esteem or suicidality or loneliness to begin with, the reality TV show might exacerbate that. But if you come onto the show with support and good enough parents and strong relationships, it'll, you'll be able to weather the ups and downs of it. Um, another person uh, wrote in, Matt, who said that his 17-year-old daughter has become quite a fan of the podcast. And so she has a question here. Quote, I feel like it's common knowledge that becoming a child star or being famous for a large portion of a kid's life very negatively affects the child's development. And now, as reality TV be has become more popular than ever, I often see articles about how children and adolescents part participating in reality TV shows will have a similar effect on their development. I'm wondering if the effect on child change... On, on a child changes based on the nature of the reality TV show. Cause you know, just chiming in here, you have like honey boo boo, which is like really focused on the child and it, the child is made fun of basically by the show, the way honey boo boo talks and walks and dresses and all that kind of stuff. And then you have another reality TV show where the kids are like in 90 day fiance, you have a lot of these people have kids that they occasionally will feature on the show. And so right. that's a lesser involvement. Anyway, Could a shorter but more emotionally volatile fame experience, 
potentially be worse for a child, or would it produce similar effects no matter what? How could a family dynamic be affected by either fame situation overall, especially if the child grows to resent the parent for having them participate in the show? End of email. Well, Matt and daughter, uh, well, this is directed at the daughter. You're a very smart person, 17 years old and already thinking about all these things. That's great. Uh, So, Berto, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, Right. So I think that uh, I've talked about this before. The humans have been around for humanoids for millions of years, uh, 100,000 years in certain more modern ways. Uh, Never, ever once throughout that whole time was the modern concept of fame a thing. It's not a thing for any animals. No one has evolved this. Um, Even recently, like you know, a hundred years ago, fame was, like there were, if you could count on one hand, people that would have been famous throughout the world. And it's not famous in that you ever saw them. Maybe you might've read something about him, heard their name. You might've never seen a picture, certainly not before pictures were a thing. So this is not a thing we've had a time to evolve. So you put a little, not fully developed human, you put a fully developed human in a, in a context where now all of a sudden, Everyone's talking about them, looking at them, asking them questions, wanting their autographs, all these things. And it has consequences. You put an not fully developed human into that, of course it has consequences. Now, the question is like, if it's just for a little bit, is that worse? Is it not worse? Like, man, it really depends, right? Uh, um, the the uh, question about whether the kind of reality show, that's got to have a factor. Absolutely. If you're if you're in a you know reality show for one season that's really like a whole bunch of kids doing physical activity and maybe some spelling and math and it's really like encouraging kids to do these things sure you know i i, I don't think that that would be super detrimental stuff um however you might still have some effects like cuz you might have thought oh cool i'm i'm a, i'm like known now and then all of a sudden that goes away and you might have s- some feelings about that some things to deal with but that's very different from where it's a reality show with your name on it, and it's all about how you are like a child star in the first place, and about how you need to look a certain way and act a certain way, and and everyone around you is an adult, and you're relating mostly to only adults. Oh man, that's totally gotta mess you up. Not to mention the money, and the oh, I can't even. Yeah, so you are perfectly exemplifying the discourse on the internet, which is to say, it's terrible it's it's it has to have an effect money fame you're you're young all these statements and uh it's people are quite sure of themselves dr drew has has said almost identical to what to what you are saying berto and what i'm always looking for is okay where's the evidence you know uh we can say in the 1950s that black people are dumber than white people but where's the evidence we can say that women can't be presidents because they're going to cry during their menstrual cycle, but where's the evidence? You know, what people, culture can say things, but where's the evidence? So now, uh, what I'll say, because we don't have a lot of time to go into it, is as far as I can tell, no one has looked into this. <laughs> no one has, you know, because the way you would measure this is you'd have to get 100 or 50 child reality TV stars of from various different types of reality TV shows. And then you'd have to track them 
uh, uh, compared to a control group of people that were very similar to them in terms of class and family life and everything. But they didn't go on a reality TV show. And already right there, that's a very hard thing to design because what are the sorts of people who go on reality TV shows? That's a different sort of person. So you'd have to you'd have to have kids that live in families that would go on a reality. So maybe one way to do it would be to, uh, you know, you, you put out an application of like, okay, we're looking for people to be on their reality TV show. We're looking for families. And then you, of the people that you reject on the show, you put them in a control group and all the people you put on the show, you put them in the, in the measuring group and you track everyone over time. And you'd have to track them for 30 years because we're talking about damage that's supposed to show up when they're 55 years old, you know, or at least 25, right. 35. And the fact is, is from my from my knowledge, I didn't look into it that deep, but and I but I wouldn't be surprised if there's never been such a a uh, a study. Now there are people who can point to people like because it's a broader question of like child stars, like Michael Jackson or Lindsay Lohan or Corey, uh, the guy you saw Feldman. singing what Corey Feldman. Corey Feldman. There are cases that we can point to where we could hypothesize pretty assuredly that their childhood fame affected their development and their self-esteem and that later, you know, <coughs> excuse me, bless you. And that later grew up, uh, that later developed, you know, affected their later development, which causes problem for Michael Jackson. He always seemed like a kid and you could hypothesize that his you know, alleged pedophilia was a result of him being arrested development in a lot of ways and or being abused, maybe even sexually abused. Lindsay Lohan, uh, I don't know that much about her, but she suffered from, I think, drug problems and being a childhood star would have a lot of stress and a lot of exploitation that would make you feel like you couldn't really depend on other people. And so you turn to, so you have a lot of negative emotions and you turn to substances to mute those emotions. Corey Feldman claims he was in a sex abuse ring, which I believe happens yeah. uh, in in rare cir- circumstances, such as uh, f- you know Hollywood fame circles, because the kids want to be on shows, and and you have a bunch of guys who are like, well, if you want to be on my show, then I mean, similar to how uh, uh, what's this, Bill Cosby? It's like, okay, I can make you a star. And what are you going to yep. do for me? And so we can point to cases, but what about the thousands upon thousands of other kids that were on shows and they don't make the news? They grow up and they become an accountant or... Well, we ex- don't know, to your point. Right. We don't know. That's the point. And, but, but, but I will want to qualify something. If you had asked me if I had been alive and we had to have a podcast in, say, 1940, if you had asked me, Berto, do you think that being in space would have some negative physical consequences for people in the long term? I might have said, it's gotta. I probably would have used a very similar argument. Like, we've evolved for a million years, blah, 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 on this atmosphere, at this pressure. Like, there's no way we could just magically adapt. But, you know, we've had no evidence. Um, but it seems likely. Like, I mean, why would we be okay? So that's that's kind of where I'm approaching it from. It's sort of like, like we don't know. Like I don't think either you or I have proof. I don't think we could even find a video showing that for sure, that for sure a samurai sword would like would really hurt 
either of us, right? But we're sure it is because we've seen so many physical evidence. We know how physics works. Well, this is not like that, but it is like hard to imagine that a that a human put in a position where like like their their face, their likeness is posted all over the world and people follow them, people asking them, people begging them, people da, uh, hounding. It's like, it's impossible to imagine that that actually wouldn't have an effect. But that doesn't mean that everyone would have the same reaction. Da, 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 da. Well, it's it's kind of like saying, do we think that, you know, a, a father yelling at a child has has an impact on their... Well, okay, on, that, you know. that's a great example. So, again, we would... Uh, as a culture, go, well, of course, that's going to negatively affect a child. Well, I'm here to tell you, I know for sure through research that a father yelling at a child, even repeatedly, for some people affects them negatively, and, and for many people it doesn't. So the the issue that I will conclude, and this is total speculation because I don't have any research, is that there are – because the question is how – do children develop to have problems later in life? And how do some children grow up to not have children, to not have problems later in life? Well, what do we mean by problems? I'm here to tell you everyone has problems. Birdo has problems. I have problems. We were not reality TV show kids when we were young. (laughs) So the question of what causes problems, there are so many things that cause problems. So how would you differentiate between the problems of reality TV show kids versus the problems that everyone else has? Okay. So the, the total speculation I would have is when you have a child and they're raised well, because 99% of the time a reality TV show kid is not on reality TV show. (laughs) They're, they're, you know, in private quarters being cared for. Now, I, I'm guessing some shows it's it's the percentage is skewed a little bit. But but uh, my point is, is that what's the experience of the child? Does the child feel like they are safe? Does the child feel like they are attuned to? And we're talking when they're young, two, three, four years old, because by the time they're 10 or, you know, 12, a lot of the damage or good things have already come to pass. And so uh, you can absolutely div- you know, help a child develop a sense of self, a sense of safety, a, se- a sense of self-esteem. And maybe there are some stressors that will happen later in life that when they're on a reality TV show. But if they have that connection and they have that support and they can come to people and say, hey, I don't like what's happening right now, and they're responded to in a good way – then I suspect speculation that things will turn out fine, meaning that that individual will have the average number of issues that everyone has. And if you have a child, and I can say this for sure, let's say you have a child who's, who never is on reality TV shows, but at the age of two, three, four, you have chaos, abandonment, drug addiction, abuse, yelling, chaos. Well, that kid's going to have problems. So... Uh, that's more the issue to me is like we need to right, focus but- on raising kids well and whether or not they're on a reality TV show and then how are they on the reality TV show? Well, but, are but, they but, but, see, you're, you're brushing that over like it's not a variable. It's like saying a war zone. Like imagine we're raising kids in a war zone. Of course, I could imagine some kids getting lucky enough that their parents got just the right combination of skills and environment to like sort of protect the child enough to where maybe they can raise it 
but man, that's a that's a lucky break. But you in keep, general, but you keep using an you be... keep using analogies that are way more obviously negative, like a sword, no. like no, no, okay, and fine, war but, but, zone. But because but, I'm trying but to point let me out tell that... you, like if you're eight and you're on a reality TV show, let, let me let me because we have this culture about reality TV shows. One, let me let's extend it to a different thing. When I was a kid, I was really good at sports. And it was, I was on a stage. And when I performed on the field, I was the star. People would come up to me and be like, you are good at football. You are good at wrestling. You are good at blank. Did that, okay, there were pros and cons to that. The pro was massive amounts of self-esteem and accolades and self-worth. The con was a lot of pressure on myself. Now, What's what's the over, what's the overall benefit to the fact that I was playing sports as a kid and all these parents and people and other kids my age? I mean, there was a moment when I was in high school when I, I was I don't know fifteen years old. I I came off the field and everyone in my class was just circled around me, just like, oh my god, you're a football star. Because I was one of the, I was the only sophomore that was starting on the varsity football team. That had, uh, I can tell you, that was a nice moment for me. <laughs> so, of course, this is pre-Twitter and all that kind of stuff, and and so obviously it's a different scenario. But we can't know what exactly the effect is on these people. Uh, we can only say that we don't know and that we would have to study it in case-by-case basis. Yeah, but you're erring on the side of, like, because we don't know, we, ha- we don't have the studies, we don't know. And I'm saying, like, we, we, t- we are on the <laughs> I'm side... I'm erring on the side of, we have no evidence, thus we don't know. Like, what's yes, the other but, side? But when it, we have no I'd evidence, like, thus we do know? Well, but what I would say, when it comes to kids, we might have to do better than that and say, like, well, why don't we play it safe? Because the yeah. thing is, yeah, the sure. thing is that it's you look i'm not saying i'm not saying that well equipped i'm not saying we need to uh allow for this i'm not yeah. i'm not advocating for it i'm answering right. the question that i'm being posed which is what's the effect on the kids and i'm telling you according to my take on the data which there is almost none i don't know the answer to that and now the other question is is it wor- you're, what you're asking and convoluting with that question, which is, well, what do we do with that? Uh, because that's a much bigger question that I would actually say, if there is a risk, which we could imagine, why take the risk? <laughs> and we do have laws on the books in the United States, various states have them, that actually protect kids from being exploited because they, they're not old enough to consent, particularly really young kids, right? Yeah. So... Uh, but reality TV shows will work their way around those laws by going to states that have looser laws and by designating the kids as right. not being actors. They're just like collateral damage, if you will. Uh, and and that, that was the thing is like, because it's not just about the fame. It's all the system around it. It's all the people that are trying to like get in and get the money. The parents also get abused in the process because everyone's trying to get at that thing. Because we're not talking about a child who's a, a, a local star in their in their football team and stuff we're talking about like potentially massive worldwide exposure yeah. to a level that none of us can understand or imagine and and potentially yeah. a lot of good things from happen from that like i said i have a supervisee uh, taylor nolan who has 
been on the podcast and talked about this, so she's consented to me revealing this about her, who was who who was the bad person on a reality TV show and incurred a lot of bad press. As an adult. As an adult, but a young yeah. adult, like 22 years old or sure. something, 23. Uh, it's, which raises this larger question of just like, well, you can be 22 or 42 and also be damaged by reality TV. Obviously, we want kids to be particularly protected because they can't walk into that situation with an so yeah. here here's my thing that i'll say is that we need to be much more thoughtful about children involvement in these kinds of things and as reality tv and the internet just becomes more uh sort of normalized because i you know you and i are old enough to remember the beginning of the internet when the idea of having a child have a Facebook account or even a cell phone was yeah. like inherently ridiculous. Like, right. no, no, no. Children should not have a cell phone. Children should not be, have access to the internet. That would be horrible for them. Right. And, and because we adjust to new realities, we've just drifted into that. And without thinking about the negative, negative effects that it will have on kids. But we have to also wonder... What are the negative effects? Okay, so we need to be uh, we need to be much more thoughtful about the kids because uh, what's the benefit to putting them on a reality TV TV show? Our entertainment. There's lots of things to watch. We don't have to risk harming kids by putting them on these shows. So uh, I, I imagine we have to be much much more careful. But the larger question is, how are we as a society? educating everyone, including adults, about the potential downside about being on these reality TV shows. Yeah. Because, of course, the TV show is not going to advertise that because they're trying to convince people to be on the show. And the producers know, okay, I bet you that person's going to be hated by the internet and that'll be good for our ratings. But the producers aren't going to tell that person that. They're going to forge ahead like, well... Why is it my responsibility? You're, you're going to hang yourself because you have a very weird personality. You're going to hang yourself in front of it's your choice to do that. It's not I didn't, you know, so but we as a society have to start. It's, it's a weird sort of public health uh, mandate <laughs> of educating people like, OK, before you agree to go on a reality TV show. Here are the things that you need to consider. Maybe even be screened by a professional who knows how to detect those people who might be harmed. Maybe even having legal representation throughout the whole process and your lawyer is on set going – or an advocate, shall we say, who is like, no, 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 no. We agreed. You weren't going to – you weren't going to make this person malicious. You know what I mean? And so yeah. we're going to pull her off the show because – you know, hey, Jennifer, this show is starting to make you look like like the evil one, and I'm here to stop that process. Let's yank you off the show. Like, the the contestants, the actors, they need power, and at, at current situation, I do not think that they do. Right, and, and actually, you think about a case like, uh, like um, uh, what's his name, in uh, Game of Thrones, the kid who played yeah. Joffrey? yeah. And, you know, I don't know exactly, but it seemed like, it seems from the outside looking in, like he got so overwhelmed from being a bad guy. Yeah. 
that he's like, you know, I'm done with this. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't want to act. Yeah, he's he he's he's in graduate school now. Yeah. I mean, he Which seems like better he, for him. <laughs> I mean, as time went on, I, the the negative tweets started to turn into love letters. I think. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, because but while he was you know season one, two, yeah. and three when he was still alive on the show, yeah, it, it was it was it was pretty bad. Um, but yeah. that's but that's an actor who probably has an agent. And probably has advocacy. These reality TV show people... They don't have any of that. They're completely on their own. And yeah. they this might be their very first time going into anything in show business where, as for him, presumably, you know, he had some coaching as he... He probably took acting classes. He knew other actors. Maybe he knew other chi- child actors. and Right. And everyone hopefully understands that Joffrey is a written character by George Martin, not him. <laughs> Whereas these reality TV show people, people are attacking them, not the not the written word, not the you know the character of Joffrey Baratheon. Yeah. So I, I suspect that in fifty years there will be a, a robust understanding of advocacy. Now I will say that. There are organizations that have cropped up going back to the 1950s. Paul Peterson was on the Donna Reed show in the 1950s and as a child, and he was he felt exploited, and he started an organization called A Minor Consideration oh. that advocates for child actors. So there are organizations out there, but I doubt that they're being utilized very much. Interesting. Hmm. So on that depressing note, Berto, what's the <laughs> final word on 90 Day Fiancé? Well, I lost some, I lost 90 days of my life watching it, I guess. Not really, but um, I, I guess I hope that it brings some portion of them happiness, either because they had exposure or maybe they learned something about themselves or something they didn't want, they wanted to change, or maybe they did find a relationship that was meaningful. Because I, it kind of made me feel bad to watch it and just, there's so much. I don't know. So many moments where I was like, oh, I don't know if that's just for the cameras, but that's so dysfunctional, uh, so petty, so jealous. And as I mentioned, a lot of it brought me back to like how petty and jealous I was when I was younger and I'm like, man, that's so unhealthy. So I just wish them the best. Completely agree. Right there with you, Berto. Everyone out there, please take care of yourself. Why should people take care of themselves, Berto? Because they deserve it. 